0: Here is the closing Schwab market update as of 4.15 p.m. Eastern Time, 15 minutes after market close for Friday, July 15th. U.S. equities rallied heading into the weekend, but the bounce wasn't enough to keep the major indexes out of negative territory for the week. The markets digested a host of economic and earnings data. June retail sales rose more than expected. Consumer sentiment improved from record lows, July manufacturing output in New York surprisingly jumped into expansion territory and import price inflation came in cooler than expected. However, not all the data was upbeat as industrial production and capacity utilization came in below forecasts. The street reacted positively to second quarter earnings season as it started to heat up. Wells Fargo and company missed expectations but offered favorable net interest income performance and guidance while Citigroup top forecasts along with Dow component United Health Group. Treasuries were higher following the data to apply downside pressure on yields, and the yield curve inversion remained intact. The U.S. dollar pulled back somewhat but remained at multi decade highs following a recent rally. Gold was lower, and crude oil prices were solidly higher. Europe was hired to close out the week, while Asia finished mixed, with China and Hong Kong falling after a softer-than-expected Chinese second-quarter GDP report. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rallied 658 points, or 2.2%, to 31,288. The S&P 500 Index increased 73 points, or 1.9%, to 3,863. And the Nasdaq Composite rose 201 points, or 1.8%, to 11,452. In moderate volume, 4.1 billion shares of NYSE listed stocks were traded, and 4.3 billion shares changed hands on the NASDAQ. WTI crude oil rose $1.81 to $97.59 per barrel. Elsewhere, the gold spot price nudged $2.60 lower to $1,703.20 per ounce, and the dollar index lost 0.4% to 10810 Markets were lower for the week as the Dow Jones Industrial Average shed 0.2%, the S&P 500 fell 0.9%, and the NASDAQ Composite lost 1.6%. In equity news on Friday... Wells Fargo and company, ticker symbol WFC, reported second quarter earnings per share of 74 cents, including an 8 cent per share impairment charge relating to equity securities predominantly in its affiliated venture capital business driven by market conditions. Faxet had expected the company to report earnings per share of 80 cents. Revenues declined 16% percent year over year to $17 billion, compared to the forecasted $17.5 billion. The company noted that while its net income declined in the second quarter, its underlying results reflected its improving earnings capacity, with expenses declining and rising interest rates driving strong net interest income growth. Wells Fargo added that loan balances increased with growth in both consumer and commercial loans and credit quality remaining strong, though non-interest income declined as higher interest rates and weaker financial markets reduced its venture capital, mortgage banking, investment banking, and brokerage advisory results. Looking ahead, the company said its results should continue to benefit from the rising interest rate environment. But it does expect credit losses to increase from, quote, these incredibly low levels, end quote. But it has yet to see a meaningful deterioration in either its consumer or commercial portfolios. Wells Fargo traded solidly higher as the markets seemed upbeat about its net interest income performance and guidance. Citigroup, ticker symbol C, posted second quarter earnings per share of $2.19 compared to the estimated $1.68 with revenues rising 11% year-over-year to $19.6 billion versus the projected $18.4 billion. The company said higher interest income was primarily driven by the benefits of higher rates as well as strong volumes across its institutional clients group and personal banking and wealth management. Also, Citigroup noted that its non-interest revenue also increased, driven by fixed-income markets, which more than offset lower non-interest income in investment banking. The company said its net income fell year-over-year, however, as higher cost of credit and an increase in expenses more than offset its rise in revenues. Citigroup also said it will suspend its share repurchase program. Shares rallied. Dow member United Health Group, ticker symbol UNH, announced adjusted second quarter profits of $5.57 per share above the expected $5.21 as revenues grew 13% year over year to $80.3 billion, topping the forecasted $79.7 billion. United Health Group raised its full year earnings per share guidance. Shares were higher. The markets remained volatile as they digested today's corporate results, mainly from the financial sector as second quarter earnings season heated up. Schwab's chief investment strategist, Lizanne Saunders, discusses the economy in her latest article titled, What's Going On With Jobs? Now, the June jobs report was cheered by economic bulls, given its strength in level terms. But rates of change among leading indicators don't favor a soft landing outcome for the economy. You can follow Lizanne on Twitter, at Lizanne Saunders. Read all our market commentary on our Insights and Education page, and you can follow us on Twitter, at Schwab Research. In economic news on Friday, Advanced retail sales for June rose 1% month-over-month month versus the Bloomberg consensus forecast of a 0.9% rise and compared to May's positively adjusted 0.1% decrease. Last month's sales ex-autos also gained 1% month-over-month month compared to expectations of a 0.7% rise and as May's figure was revised higher to a 0.6% increase. Sales ex-autos and gas were up 0.7% month-over-month, topping estimates of a 0.1% rise, while May's reading was adjusted lower to a 0.1% dip. The control group, a figure used to calculate GDP, advanced 0.8% month-over-month versus projections of a 0.3% increase and following May's negatively revised 0.3% decrease. The report showed solid gains for non-store retailers, including online activity, as well as motor vehicles, furniture, food services and drinking places, and sporting goods. However, sales at gasoline stations led the way, reflecting the surge in gas prices. Building materials, clothing and health and personal care sales all moved lower. In other consumer-related news, the preliminary University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index for July showed that sentiment unexpectedly improved, rising to 51.1 from June's final reading of 50, where it was expected to remain. The index moved off a record low as a continued deterioration in the expectations component of the report was more than offset by solid improvement in the current conditions portion. The one-year inflation forecast dipped to 5.2% from 5.3% in June versus expectations that it would hold at June's level. And the five- to ten-year inflation outlook also declined to 2.8% from 3.1% compared to forecasts of a dip to 3%. Empire Manufacturing Index, a measure of activity in the New York region, showed the index unexpectedly jumped back into a level depicting expansion with a reading above zero this month. The index rose to positive 11.1 from the negative 1.2 reading that was posted in June and compared to estimates of a decline to negative 2.0. The Import Price Index rose 0.2% month over month for June versus estimates of a 0.7% gain and compared to May's a downwardly revised 0.5% gain. Versus last year, prices were up by 10.7%, well below forecasts of an 11.4% increase and May's a downwardly revised 11.6% rise. Import prices, excluding petroleum, were down 0.4% month over month versus estimates to rise 0.2%. The Federal Reserve's report on industrial production showed a 0.2% month over month decrease in June compared to estimates of a 0.1% gain and versus May's downwardly revised flat reading. The Fed said manufacturing output declined for a second straight month, but even so, it rose at an annual growth rate of 4.2% in the second quarter. The report also showed mining production rose solidly, but utilities output fell. Capacity utilization dipped to 80.0% from the prior month's upwardly adjusted 80.3% rate and versus forecasts of an increase to 80.8%. Capacity utilization is a 0.4 percentage point above its long-run average. And business inventories rose 1.4 percent month-over-month in May, matching forecasts after April's upwardly revised increase of 1.3 percent. Treasuries were higher following the data. The inversion of the two-year and ten-year notes continued, with the markets grappling with what the ultimate impact of an aggressive Fed to fight high inflation will be on the economy. Schwab's chief fixed income strategist, Kathy Jones, discusses this in her latest article titled, Fed Rate Hikes, Why Are Bond Yields Falling?, noting that the Federal Reserve's pledge to curb inflation appears to have resonated with the market. She adds that if the central bank raises rates as much as recent projections indicate, the risk of recession rises. Kathy concludes that consequently bond yields have been pulling back from recent highs and the yield curve has flattened. You can follow Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Jones. The yield on the two-year Treasury note was down a basis point to 3.12%. The yield on the 10-year note declined four basis points to 2.92%. And the 30-year bond rate decreased one basis point to 3.09%. In international news on Friday, European equities rebounded to trim some of the week's losses as the markets sifted through some mixed earnings reports and relatively upbeat economic data out of the U.S. Inflation concerns remain elevated, exacerbated by this week's decision by Russia to suspend gas delivery to Germany due to maintenance on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, which stoked fears that Russia may further disrupt their deliveries past the planned maintenance. The markets have been choppy as of late, as high inflation drives monetary policies on both sides of the pond to aggressively tighten their stances to try to arrest the surge in pricing pressures. However, Schwab's chief global investment strategist, Jeffrey Kleintop, offers his latest article titled, Shortages Have Led to Gluts, noting how inventory gluts have been bad news for the stocks of companies experiencing them. We could also be indicating an inflation peak, which tends to be an ingredient for market bottoms. You can follow Jeff on Twitter, at Jeffrey Kleintop. The economic calendar in Europe remained relatively quiet, but new car registrations in the Eurozone fell in June and the Eurozone trade deficit unexpectedly narrowed for May. Political uncertainty also lingered after Italian Prime Minister Mario Draghi announced his resignation after yesterday's parliamentary confidence vote. However, Italy's President Mattarella rejected his resignation. The Euro and British pound rebounded versus the U.S. dollar with both finishing higher. The greenback has rallied sharply to multi-decade highs, which saw the euro reach parity with the greenback for the first time in 20 years. Bond yields in the eurozone were mixed, and rates in the UK traded lower. The UK FTSE 100 index and Switzerland's Swiss market index were up 1.7%. France's CAC 40 index increased 2%. Germany's DAX index rose 2.8%, while Italy's FTSE MIB index and Spain's IBEX 35 index were 1.8% higher. Stocks in Asia finished mixed, with the markets continuing to wrestle with rising global recession concerns that have ramped up amid tightening monetary policies globally and COVID lockdowns in China. Also, the persistent rally in the U.S. dollar is adding to the uneasiness, with the greenback hitting a multi-decade high versus the yen, as the Bank of Japan abstains from moving off its ultra-loose policy. China, which has also diverged from global central banks to try to combat the impact of the lockdowns, was in focus today as it released a host of mixed economic data. China's second quarter GDP growth came in at a 0.4% year-over-year pace, down sharply from the 4.8% growth in the first quarter, and below projections of a 1.2% gain. Additionally, China's industrial production for June rebounded but by a smaller amount than anticipated, but its retail sales for last month rose at a faster pace than anticipated. Amid this backdrop, Schwab's Jeffrey Kleintop discusses in his article titled, Recession in China, how China's economy and consumer market has likely slipped into a recession, at least by China's standards. Jeff takes a look at the short-term and long-term impacts of any extended disruption of the lockdowns on consumer spending and business output. Japan's Nikkei 225 index rose 0.5% with the yen stabilizing versus the U.S. dollar after its recent dramatic drop versus the greenback. China's Shanghai Composite Index fell 1.6%. The Hong Kong Hang Seng Index dropped 2.2% with technology stocks seeing pressure as regulatory scrutiny has resurfaced this week. South Korea's KOSPI Index increased 0.4%. Australia's S&P ASX 200 index declined 0.7%, and India's S&P BSE Sensex 30 index moved 0.7% to the upside. In the week in review, the S&P 500 index continued to alternate between weekly gains and losses following last week's advance, with a pullback this week. The markets continue to be at the mercy of uncertainty regarding the ultimate implications of aggressive Fed tightening amid the backdrop of signs of slowing economic activity. Volatility remained palpable as the markets digested hot June inflation data along with the start of second quarter earnings season that produced mixed results. The financial sector was in focus as some of the biggest institutions got the ball rolling and their results showed still strong consumer activity and trading revenues amid the lingering volatility was offset by higher credit costs and declining investment banking results as M&A and IPO action cools. Consumer and producer price inflation data for last month fostered uncertainty regarding if the Fed will get even more aggressive with monetary policy preserving elevated recession concerns. The Treasury yield curve widened its inversion as rates on the mid to long end moved lower amid the recession concerns, while short-term rates were buoyed by increasing expectations that the Fed may push harder on the monetary policy tightening accelerator. The U.S. dollar's continued rally to 20-year highs added another layer to the uneasiness, which may have contributed to the declines for crude oil and gold prices, with the latter hitting lows not seen in over a year. The markets did trim weekly declines, aided by the host of upbeat reads on retail sales, consumer sentiment, and manufacturing output in New York. Next week, although the economic calendar will be relatively light and the Fed goes quiet ahead of the July 27th monetary policy decision, the earnings calendar will continue to shift into high gear to pick up the slack. However, there are some reports on the economic docket that could garner attention. Housing data will headline the docket with the releases of the NEHB Housing Market Index for July, as well as June reports on housing starts and building permits and existing home sales. The leading index for last month will also come into focus, along with jobless claims for the week ended July 16th. However, the headlining report may be S&P Global's Preliminary July Manufacturing and Non-Manufacturing PMIs, which will join a plethora of global reports out of Australia, Japan, the Eurozone, and the UK. In addition to the global PMI reports, next week's international economic calendar could move the markets, headlined by monetary policy decisions out of the Eurozone and Japan, Other reports due out next week that deserve a mention include the one-year and five-year loan prime rate decisions from China, the trade balance, and national consumer price inflation statistics from Japan, consumer confidence, construction output, and the final read on consumer price inflation from the Eurozone and out of the UK will come inflation statistics, employment change, and retail sales.